Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, here we go. The train has left the station. Man, I am so excited to introduce everyone to today's guest. He is a mover and a shaker. He is the one to watch. He is a CMO, a leader. I would say uh, not only entrepreneurial leader, but like a marketing thought leader. Talks a lot about leadership, about career. He is a fractional CMO to B2B startups to the stars. Garrett Justice, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Casey. I'll I'll send you your money for all those nice things you said about me after this episode. Well, that's good. I've got more. I've got more. (laughs) So, so, hey, man, you're here. I can't wait to learn from you. So let me go ahead and pass you this thing. It's heavy, but I know you work out. So here we go. There we go. There we go. I got it. Hey, just grab that thing like it was a pencil. That was okay. (laughs) Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. All right, here we go. So uh, I've noticed this a lot and I've seen it a lot in a lot of companies, early stage startups that when you want to start marketing, where do companies start? They typically jump right into channel execution. They either hire an SEO agency or someone to run ads for them. They jump straight into testing things out, right? And there's nothing wrong with testing things out. But I think when you're launching marketing, especially in a B2B startup for the first time, you have to have foundational alignment before you jump into experimenting with channels and initiatives. Mm. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that companies get wrong. And it's where, you know, it's part of why I recently, the last few months have kind of gone out on my own, started my own consulting agency to, to work with startups, to help them do that better. Got it. It's like, we're going like, right to like, let me get something done. Let me go try out this new channel I heard on a podcast sometime. Mm-hmm. Foundational alignment. Break that down for me. Where do we have to go before we get playing around with these channels? Yeah, for sure. So in in my opinion, there are five core pieces to foundational alignment. And when I say foundational alignment, it's because the key piece is getting aligned with your entire go-to-market team, which usually consists of sales, customer success, and like your leadership team, ideally your CEO and founders are in part of, in part of that. So those five components you got to get aligned on. What's your go-to-market strategy? And there's kind of sub bullet points in each of these, right? So go-to-market strategy consists of, you know, what's your go-to-market motion? Are we inbound led? Are we outbound led? Are we product led? You can't do all of them. And that's where a lot of startups fail is they don't have the resources to do all of them. And they try to pick and choose bits and pieces from all of them. And it just doesn't work. So then you have a sales team that's building an outbound motion. You have a marketing team that's trying to build an inbound motion and it doesn't work. There's, there's, disconnection there. So again, it's about alignment. So the first one is go to market strategy. Well, hold next up a is- second. Before we get to the okay. next one, let's dive into that. Okay. Uh, so some people are trying to go outbound. Other people are trying to build the inbound product teams like product led growth. Uh, how do you, are there more options? And then how do you choose which yeah. one? What's the right one to start with? Yeah, there's a, um, um, there's a really good book, and so that I'd recommend. It's called Move. It's by Sangram Vajare, 
And actually, look, I have a copy of it right here. So for those that are looking and watching, there you go. That's it right hey, there. Shout out to Sangram. Sangram is awesome. So all about kind of go to market. Um, and, and part of what Sangram talks about is like the seven main go to market motions. I think this is constantly evolving, but today, especially in B2B SaaS, there's kind of seven core uh, go-to-market motions. The three most popular are inbound, outbound, and product-led growth, right? But there's others that are kind of popping up here and there. Community is one of them, right? Where you're kind of building a community first. There's some good examples of companies out there who are doing that, that it kind of falls in line with uh, a lot of companies are saying, hey, build a media brand, right? You start with community and content and then kind of build from there. There's others that like some, some companies are more focused on channel or partnerships, mm. right? And there's another flavor of that, which is more like ecosystem led. So like maybe it's fo you're focused on integration. Um, and so maybe your product is really a key integration. So again, those are some of the core um, go-to-market motions. And again, the key, the key is as a startup, th there are successful companies, there are examples of successful companies who've done all of those different ones. So it's not like there's a right or a wrong. The key is finding what's the best fit for you and for your company. And part of that comes down to like uh, from your go-to-market leadership team, your marketing, sales, you know, your CEO, what are you best at? Like what's your kind of lane of genius, if you will? Do you have a CEO who wants to be out there speaking? If so, then maybe events is kind of like a way to go. Do you have, you know, a really strong uh, sales leader who um, has built a really successful outbound motion in the past, maybe that's the way you go. So the key is picking one or two of those go-to-market motions and then aligning on some other things like, you know, what are the priorities of growth? Like, where do we think growth is going to come from? Existing customers, new customers, existing product, new product right? What are yeah. the kind of trends and market forces? Well, how do we, how are we thinking about pricing? So again, all that kind of falls under the bucket for me, at least of go to market strategy. That's Love kind of it. step one. How do you get aligned, get everyone on the same room and get aligned on what's our strategy? Yeah. I suppose these things can change. And what I heard there too, is, you know, pick ones where you have the people that are best at one of those that, that can really help. Plus whatever you're trying to get to, can really help. But uh, man, I can see the temptation to just want to, let's do all of them and then mm -hmm. kind of weekly do all of them. Exactly. And I, I'm getting, I've, I've fallen victim to that in the past too. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of why I'm out here kind of promoting it, proclaiming it because, you know, I think it's really easy to, you know, fall short and not be aligned. Right. Like yeah. I mentioned the example before I've been in the past where I kind of saw, Hey, this future vision, we got to build this inbound motion at the, well, while the sales team was focused on outbound right here and right now to close deals. And so there's always going to be a, an element of that, but the more you can get aligned, right. And the more you yeah. can focus on one or two go to market motions, the stronger, you know, you're going to be as a team. Uh. See, I could see people hiring you as a fractional CMO just to help answer that question because focus is so powerful, but gosh, it's, it, it's, it takes a little bit of courage and some data and some knowledge and wisdom to figure out where do we put some of these eggs, man? It almost yeah. feels safer to spread them out. Yeah, totally. Totally yeah. does. Powerful. Okay. So that's number one of Yeah, five. that's just number wanna, one, right? <laughs> you want to go through? <laughs> 
So number two, after go-to-market strategy is customers. And so really like it's just alignment again with your go-to-market team on who are our customers. And so again, in B2B, that's typically there's two things that are a component of that. One is your ICP or your ideal customer profile. And so there's a, there needs to be alignment, especially between marketing and sales mm. on who's, who's our ideal customer profile. And ideal customer profile is usually the the company attributes of who are the companies that we serve in B2B. And then the second piece of that is like your buyer personas, right? So who are the buyers? Who are the typical buyers and how are they different? How do you differentiate between the different core buyers there? It, sometimes it's role. Sometimes you're um, selling to three different roles, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's you're selling to three different sizes of companies, but they're all marketing directors at those companies. So figuring out what the act, the people attributes are, there and then making sure that you have traction and you have some good patterns, you know, some clear patterns of industries, or you have good patterns of, you know, customers who are willing to give you testimonials or case studies or leave online reviews. That that's kind of like the first indicator of, yeah, this is the right a set of attributes for companies and buyer personas that we want to target and it and it's working and you should treat that as kind of an experiment like all of those attributes you should be working on validating those with a lot of that data as you're having more conversations with potential customers gotcha okay so that's number 2 um, and then nailed it customers Got it. then the then the last 3 all kind of fit together um and it's they kind of fit together in what I call your messaging architecture. That's kind of like one of the outputs. But the three pieces are positioning. The next is brand. And then the third is story, right? So positioning is kind of like the rational side of your strategy. It's things like what's our specific product category? What's our main differentiator? How do we describe ourselves with a concise position statement? What are our main value propositions? You know, what are the benefits that we provide and the features of our products or services that kind of back that up? Brand is more the emotional side of that expression of your strategy. So it's about like, what's our mission or vision of the future that we're trying to build? What are our company core values? What's our kind of core DNA as a company? Are we more of a product focused company? Are we more of a customer focused company? Are we more of like a concept focused company where we're kind of trying to change the world in a certain way? And then what's our personality, right? From our brand and how we, you know, want to be experienced, how we express ourselves. And then all of that funnels into like, a lot of times people think about brand, they think about logo, color, stuff like that. And that's just the last component. It's just like your visual identity, but it's based on all of those previous things. And so that's brand. And then the last piece is story. And so there's a couple of different aspects of story. There's a couple of frameworks that I really like. There's a guy named Andy Raskin. If you haven't followed him on LinkedIn, go do it because he's kind of the strategic narrative guru. Love his stuff. Um, there's story brand, which is pretty popular. There's a book based on that. There's similar frameworks, but really it's about what's the compelling story of why we exist how, what are the challenges or obstacles that our customer faces? What do they want to achieve and how do we help them overcome those obstacles to ultimately achieve that thing? Right. So it's just getting aligned and getting concise on like those elements. And again, those three things together is kind of what I call your messaging architecture. Messaging architecture. Dude, love it. Is, are, is this, 
sounds like you would drink your own Kool-Aid here. This is what you do when you first start working with groups as a fractional CMO. You're coming in, you're saying, okay, cool. They're probably asking you like, oh, what channel? Oh, our YouTube channel isn't working so well. Uh, what do we do about yeah. that? And you're like, hold yeah. up. Yeah, do you, exactly. You might, you might even ask them, hey, do you have any of this stuff? And they're probably like, no. Yeah, or or they do have bits and pieces, oh, right? And okay. so, and so it it varies by company, right? So the yeah. the key piece is like what I, what I typically do is I'll I'll do an audit of all of this foundational stuff. Plus, that's that's all what's in phase one. There's kind of three phases of this that I like to kind of work through, and so I do an audit of all of those different components, and um, we kind of identify you know what's working, what's not. And then we go through a process to kind of flesh out what's not working, especially with the foundation. And then once the foundation's pretty tight and in place and there's alignment there, again, that's the key piece. Then you move on to phase two, where phase two is all about building experiments. And so again, in a startup, especially when you're launching marketing for the first time, sometimes people make massive bets in channels or initiatives. And without validating or experimenting. So I really like to take kind of a build, measure, learn approach. It's mm -hmm. similar to, I don't know if you remember the book Lean Startup from oh, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. It's like, a, it's like a lean marketing approach to it, but there's three components of, of building experiments. The first is making sure you have tight analytics. And so a lot of early stage companies, it's like, can you look at basic funnel analytics? Can you look at how many leads you generated that turned into meetings with salespeople that closed? And if you can't do that consistently and there's not clean data or a clean source of truth, and you got to work on making sure you have a clean CRM, there's a clean source of truth, or you, you know what your funnel steps are, or you know how you uh, are are what your attribution rules are but between sales and marketing channels and whatnot. So there's some work that needs to go into that. It doesn't have to be crazy complicated, but you have to have a way to measure so that then you can go into channels and initiatives where you right. can start testing those channels and initiatives. And again, all of these things kind of funnel up. So channels and initiatives flow out of the go-to-market motions. Right. So mm -hmm. once you've decided, hey, we're gonna be we're gonna be inbound led, then there's certain channels and initiatives that naturally flow out of that. Or if we're gonna be product led, there's channels and initiatives that flow out of that. So, anyways, lots more we could talk about, but I'll pause there. Uh yeah, but there there's <laughs> like you know, I'm still I'm still kind of wrapped around just even the that that first step, the idea of placing placing the the bets on the on the motion. You know, take take my new company for instance, right? We do B2B podcasts, right? There seems like so many different avenues, especially when it's like a newer company, maybe you yeah. haven't tried everything. The the temptation is to try everything. You know, how how do you sort through that? Let's say you're working with a brand new group and maybe they have been doing this sort of hit all the motions at the same time approach. How do you I mean, talk me through some of the logic that goes into figuring out where you start focusing. Yeah, it's a great question. And again, like I said, and we talked about earlier, it's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard to do this. It's hard to focus. It's hard to prioritize. But the truth is like it, when you sit down with a CEO or a head of marketing in an early stage company who, if it's a company that's trying to do many of these go-to-market motions at the same time, and you ask them, how well is it working? Like, they're going to be like, eh. if they're truthful with themselves, they'll say, well, this thing's working and we've, and this other stuff is kind of going okay. Right. And like, the truth is you can't 
I, I well, I, I won't say can't, but it's uh it's very rare. I, I've yet to find a company that is a small stage company that has you know one or two marketers on the team, maybe some agency partners who can really do more than two or three go to market motions really well and excel at each of them, right? And so that's part of it. The other part of it is really coming down to like freeing people from <laughs> feeling like they have to do all of it. Right. Sometimes we kind of feel like, oh man, I have to do product-led growth. I have to do inbound. I have to do outbound. I got to do all of it at the same time. And when you can sit down and let them know, like, no, you don't. You just have to focus on what you're best at and what you want to do. Right. Like there's there's examples of companies who've who have won with all of these. So what do you want to do? What gets you most excited? Like, and and that's gonna carry over, that's gonna go a long way. And then you can focus yeah. on, you know going deeper in that. And eventually you can expand to more of these motions, right? Sometimes there's one or two motions that like overlap really well. So mm. content inbound and community might be ones that like really overlap well, right? Like there's other examples of that. Um, outbound and like events might be one that overlaps well. So it it, it kind of varies, but you, the, the, key, the key takeaway is you can't do so many of them right now as a startup. You got to focus on what you're best at, what you want to do and build from there. What you're best at, what you want to do. Love that, dude. Where where do you where do you see have you seen any people make like a bad choices on those? Have you seen them make bad motion picks or is it just or is more the problem like you described? They're just picking everything. Have you seen anyone do it really wrong? I don't think so. I no. think more often than not, um, <clears throat> the problem is you're trying to do too much, or kind of like I said at the beginning, you know, you jump straight into execution. Yeah. And so the the problem that I see a lot of startups face is like, okay, we're ready to do marketing. We have you know a million or two in sales. We've we've kind of built this motion. Like, let's really put some fuel on the fire with marketing. And what do they do? They jump straight to hiring an agency or a freelancer, and then they're underwhelmed a couple months later with the results. And they they kind of point the fingers and blame the agency or the freelancer when the truth is, how do you know it was their fault? In reality, it's probably you didn't have your go-to-market foundation alignment in place, which is really what they need to know. You know, again, like all of that messaging framework fuels yeah. the messaging, all of the go-to-market yeah. strategy fuels which channels you pick. So it's you kind of get conflated results and you don't know was it us or was it them mm. right and so that's the biggest problem that i see and i think it most of the time it actually comes back to when the foundation's not in place and again the foundation is iterative you're still learning and you're growing as a startup right. it's not like set it and forget it but just being aligned on like what your foundation is right now is so key before jumping in and testing those channels and initiatives right so cool man so cool uh, I got some people to introduce you to. They they need some fractional CMO help. Uh, man, okay. Next question for you is around that step two, that the customer step. Have you experienced where companies have two major, you know, ICPs and they haven't quite figured out? It's almost like two roads to travel. Yeah, they're not really the same. They're like different, you know. Yeah. Um, and they haven't really picked one. And so they mm -hmm. kind of seem almost like a split personality. How do you how do you get yourself out of that mess? Yeah. So one of the things I, I think I may have mentioned, um, but 
when you think about an ICP again, ICP are your company attributes. So it's like, what are the industries that we're selling to? What are the, you know, there can be firmographic data of like the size of company, everything else. Right. Um, And so you should treat each of those attributes as a hypothesis, right? So in your ICP, Sometimes people treat it as like, this is ideally who we want to sell to, what massive enterprise companies, but in truth, we've only ever sold to these small SMB companies. And like, that's not, that's not a helpful ICP, right? The, the, the truth is you can add real customer data to it. So like, if you have three industries that you typically sell to, what's the breakdown of, if you look at the last six months of data, like what percentage of your customers have come from each of those three industries, right? Like right. you can start adding real customer data and that that helps you get more confident in, you know what, industry number one is actually the one where we're succeeding. So like, we're really confident that that attribute in that industry is, is part of our ICP. Industry two, maybe not, right? And so it is like a test and learn approach to validating each attribute in your ICP. And over time, as you're selling, as you're learning, it's hopefully helping you hone in even more and more on where you're actually winning. Not where you ideally want to win 10 years in the future, but where you're actually winning today, the types of companies that you're actually winning with today. And that, again, over time, that's that's the, should be the focus. And it should be a combined effort between all your go-to-market teams to provide that insight. It should be kind of a working doc that everyone has access to. And so you can work together on it. And actually winning, let's define hashtag winning. Is that deals you're closing today? Is that customers that are actually happy? A little bit of both? Can vary. Yeah, it can vary. It depends on like what the company defines as winning. Typically it's like it's co- it's companies that are closing that are paying you money at a certain size that is great for you, um, that are happy customers that are, you know, getting value out of your product, right? Because you could close, you could, there's different, there's, and there's different ways to go about that, right? Like I was in a conversation, I was talking with someone yesterday about the difference of, um, you could close one big deal, but if it takes you 12 months to close that one big deal, may, and you could in that same time close, 20 smaller deals that ultimately give you more value in the end, maybe it's better to close those focus on closing those smaller deals than that one big deal. Like there's some variation like that, that you got to think about the velocity of kind of your deal cycle, the size, the health of the customers and kind of the fit there. So it depends on the company, but those are all attributes you're kind of looking at. Okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, Sick, man. You mentioned you mentioned one book. You mentioned Sangram. Obviously, shout out to that guy. He is a wizard. Um, any other books that you've been either reading now or just some of your favorites? Yeah, I actually um, I have another one here. I, I just got back from San Francisco yesterday, where I was working with a, a startup and went through some of these. So this one's a little bit different, but it's called it's called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. It's a popular one. Um, it's really more about like operations. So the whole premise of the book is that organizational health is the last strategic advantage that companies have in order to win today. And organizational health has a couple different components. The first is making sure you have a cohesive uh, leadership team, 
right? And so there's lots of things that go into like what a cohesive, healthy leadership team is, right? But then the next is he he outlines six core questions that every company needs to answer. And that aligns with some of the foundational stuff here. So the first is like, why do we exist? That the output of why do we exist? The answer to that is really your mission, right? Oh, why do we exist? How do we behave is another one of his questions. The output of that is really like your core values, right? And so there are elements of that that are part key to the foundation, um, again, that you're building out. But what I really like about it is it starts really high level, like mission goes to values. And then it goes all the way down the list to like the last question is who must do what? And so it goes from really high level to down to really tactical. And so it's an operating process essentially. And I've kind of used it and kind of combined it with some other frameworks that I've used to, um, like really get down to your quarterly OKRs and your operating cadence as a business. Right. Gotcha. And so it's been super helpful again in those early stages. Part of it is like foundation and part of it is just like, Hey, how do we work together? Like, do we have, do we have, do we do OKRs? Do we do them quarterly? Do we do them twice a year? Like, do we have a kickoff meeting at the beginning of every quarter as a company where we talk about this stuff? You know, like how do we reinforce the clarity? And again, that's the whole premise of this book. You answer those questions and then you reinforce and that clarity over and over through your process of how you kind of share it out. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ops is, is often not considered on the, on the go-to-market and in, as a advantage, but I can definitely see because then you're delivering happiness. You're delivering the value you promised in the beginning. Yeah. That whole wheel keeps spinning. Well, and again, going back to that foundation piece, the main thing that you're trying to focus on is alignment with your right. go-to-market team, right? And this is part of it is alignment with your go-to-market team, but it extends outside of that a little bit more to just alignment with your company across all teams. How do you get on the same page? And and so again, that's one of the books I, I really love. I often turn to use that framework a ton. Love that. Uh, sick, dude. What about the future? Where do you see all this going, right? I mean, we've got some great core things happening. Anything coming around the corner that you've got your eye on, you're excited to to see and implement and, and do? You know what? Right now, again, I'm two months into this journey of, of yeah. being being done, being a startup CMO for the time being and focusing on just helping you know multiple companies with uh, building this all out, doing it better. Yeah. So there's a lot for me to still figure out, but I, I do have some... Um, some things in the works that I'm excited for, you know, I want to build out some courses. I've always done, um, some community, uh, stuff too. Build, building kind of an online community. And I kind of see a big opportunity there. I actually have a, right now, a, a, a startup marketers Slack group with just a handful of people that, um, is free to join. If you're interested in joining that, feel free to reach out to me, but I think there's a lot more things you can do with community and providing resources, whether it's courses or templates or all these things I'm talking about to help people, again, those, those startup founders and those early stage marketers just to do this better because I've, yeah. I've kind of learned it through trial and error the last 10 years or so, and, uh, just want to help other people avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way. Oh, I love that, man. Love that. Well, next question, really, it's a little bit of a crazy one, but like, who are you? Like, how do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time? Like, sure. Little Garrett Days, did you know you're going to be CMO to the stars and leading all these conversations and helping just focus these companies? 
no, I wanted to play in the NBA when I was a kid, you know? Heck yeah. And then, and then I got to ninth grade and I realized I stopped growing and everyone else caught up. <laughs> and so at six, one, it was, it was not going to happen for me. Right. So I was never good enough. So but I see like um, early on though, you're like, dang, I'm tall. And everyone I'm else tall, is like, right? we're still little. And you're like, uh, yeah, that was my favorite in basketball when, <laughs> yeah. when it was like, Hey, Oh, you got put in with the wrong group, but wow, that's so much easier to get that in there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My son might have a nine-year-old son right now who he's super tall for his age too. And I just keep telling him, live it up, man, because everyone's <laughs> going to catch up here soon. Right. So. <laughs> right. That's kind of what happened. So no, so that, that was me. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I, uh, when I came out of high school, I had three potential ideas and none of them were related to marketing. And so I thought I, I might want to be a chef. And mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, kind of love just casually cooking, experimenting. I still do it occasionally. I'm, I'm not as good as my wife. She's a much better cook than me. So, Same. but I'm a barbecue guy. So like I have my, my Traeger, I love cooking outdoors and stuff. So I thought it could be that I thought, you know, I loved sports, played sports growing up. I thought I might want to be like a personal trainer for a sports cool. team, like a, a, a team trainer. Um, and then I thought I might want to, um, be an architect. And so, I thought about all of those things. I kind of took classes in each of them. It took me a year or two into college to figure out um, and kind of shift into marketing and business. And I've always been kind of entrepreneurial at heart. And so one of the things I like about marketing is I'm I'm very much both a right and a left brain thinker, right? So I I enjoy being in spreadsheets as much as like talking about the design of a website or a logo or whatever else. So I, right. I need that variety. And so marketing is a, is an awesome fit when it comes to business. So kind of fell into it, worked at a large company, realized I was actually more of a small company guy and found my way back to startups. And I've kind of been in the tech world and startups for the last eight or so years. Um, just really focused there. Heck yeah, man. Uh, it, it, you know, just no basketball, huh? Is that still, still in the outs? It's, you know what I've, what the, so the funny thing about it is, um, well, I don't know how funny it's funny for me to be able to laugh that about it now, but since, um, since college, I've torn both of my Achilles ruptured, both of my Achilles separate times. So four years apart, same way, just playing pickup basketball. So it slowed me down a lot. I've kind of realized, you know what, I got to give up that dream a little bit. I can play casually here and there, but it's like running in straight lines now, right? That's it. Yeah, man. Oh, that's rough. Both of them, huh? And, and like one, what was the time in between? It wasn't just like about, one. About four one. years apart. Yeah, it was just, <sighs> but the same way, just playing pickup basketball, you know, last game of the night and just stepped on it, planted, and it just popped. And then four years later, same thing, other foot. So you're, you're like a pro now. So, I mean, you could, you could have your own, you know, Achilles podcast, you know. That's right. The, <laughs> like the the bionic Achilles, right? Like yeah, yeah. So do you have like some like cyborg in your in your legs now? Do you have like that's what I that's what I tell my kids just to make sure that they keep them in their place if they think they can beat me in a race or something. So that's right. That's right. Well, we, I'm not going to tell them the truth. We'll see. Still got it. Well, I'm sure you can beat your nine year old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For now. For now, exactly. <laughs> uh, sick. Well. Um, Tell me about the, on the fractional side, like who are the ideal people to reach out to? Who would be ideal clients? 
who's your ICP? Yeah, great question. So again, most of my uh, career, especially the last eight or 10 years has been in early stage B2B tech. And so that's mostly who I'm working with. So I'm mostly working with either founders who are trying to build out marketing for the first time or really tighten up their go-to-market motion or um, those early stage marketers. Maybe like you're the first head of marketing, you're a marketing manager uh, and you're a solo team or have a small team. Um, And so usually it's like a company that is at least a million or so in sales in ARR, but uh, not bigger than 20 or 25 million. So that's kind of the sweet spot. And it's usually working with the the founder leadership team and, or, you know, that first marker that they might have. Wow. That's so good, man. Um, all right. So those listening, if you fit that criteria, let's reach, reach out. out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do a call too. Like I, I, there's a lot of people who might be too early or not the right fit, but I'm happy to, to share any knowledge that I have and resources that I have. So reach out. I'll do a three, a free 30 minute call with you and talk through if it could be a fit. And if not, like I, I also have a network of lots of really great people who I might be able to send your way as well. Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, be, and before we get to that, the contact details and all of that, uh, and if you really want to cheat, you can just go right to the show notes and see it right now. If you're like dying to just uh, reach out, but one last question for you, a bit of a hypothetical, because you see, sure. I may or may not have a time machine. Uh, here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's technically, it's in the backyard covered in a tarp. So you come on visit, right? And we get some beer, some lobster, and we get to use the time machine, tell the missus, hey, we'll be back soon. You know, and then, hey, we're back. Love it. Uh, it's so <laughs> we get, it's, but it's a special kind of time machine where you get to go visit yourself and you get to meet yourself a couple days after graduating from school and, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed four days later, just in case you need that time. But, you know, you just got that, that business degree, a little marketing concentration, marketing degree. You get to meet that version of you. What would you tell yourself? What kind of things would you share? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think there's more, there's more, there's different ways I could take this answer, right? So there's more like practical, you know, and there's more like inspirational. So um, I'll throw a couple of things out at you that just kind of come to mind. So the first the first is more from like a practical standpoint. We didn't talk about this too much on the show today, but you know, a, a, a lot of what I do is there's two kind of halves to what I, I do today. I, I love helping companies figure out their marketing. I also just love early stage managers, those new marketing leaders get better at, at leadership, right? And figuring out how to coach their people and grow their team in the right way. So, you know, those are the things that kind of come after that foundation is established, right? And so one of the things I've found that's super helpful with that is being able to build a career action plan where I think most often, especially, you know, kids who are coming out of high school, college, and even later in your career, you approach your career often from an emergent strategy. It's like, well, let's just see what opportunities I have. And Mm -hmm. then like, let's see where that takes me instead of being approaching it with a deliberate strategy by saying, you know, based on what I know, what motivates me, what I value, this is what I think I want to do. And so therefore I'm going to work on developing these skills and these types of experiences that will help me move closer to this kind of career lighthouse. And in the future, if I decide that's actually not what I want to do, then I'm just going to swap that out with whatever my new career lighthouse is and update the, you know, those, 
skills and those action plan components. So that's one of the biggest things I've noticed as I, as I've in the past gone to, you know, recruit on college campuses and stuff. Sure. That's the the biggest thing I notice and tell students is like, know what you want to do. You, it can change in the future, but one of the worst things to do is come, you know, especially like at a career fair up to, up to someone and say, Hey, I want to work at your company in this role or this role or this role. And you apply at all of them and, and, and knowing that, you know, they're all very different, right? So have a, have a story in mind, kind of your own personal brand story of like, and approach it from a deliberate standpoint is kind of the biggest thing I'd say. And I guess from, from an inspirational standpoint, I'd just say, just enjoy it. It's fun. There's a lot of changes, a lot of stuff you're not going to expect in your career. So just learn, work hard, have fun. Yeah. Enjoy the journey, you know? That's it. Hell yeah. You know, the, the part you brought up about being intentional though, man, the most intentional people in the room seem to be the most successful. And it's always yeah. something that I, it's, it's not all those other traits. It's just, they were, they were, even if they didn't know to your point, but I think this might be it. Great. Mm -hmm. What steps are you going to take in order to go in that direction? What's the one thing you could do that might help you? You know, I I did exactly the opposite of that, like you're describing, where it's like, huh, marketing, neat. And then it's like, oh, look, I found myself into another marketing job. And, mm -hmm. and I think I was intentional about gaining responsibility, but I wasn't really intentional about what aspects do I like, you know, yeah. personally, and follow that fun like you're describing. So... Cool, man. Well, where, where can people, now that we've sort of like hung them you know, on, on this question and like, oh, maybe I should work with this guy on the fractional side. How do they connect with you? How do they reach out? Yeah. Best way is just on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. So connect with me. It's just my name, Garrett Justice on LinkedIn. Um, you can also reach out. I have a website. My company is called Prelude Marketing. So it's preludemarketing.com. And so you're welcome to go there and reach out to me there as well. Oh, I love it. Okay, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on here. I feel like I've learned a ton myself. I mean, as much as you think you know, you can always learn more. And man, did I just go to school for an hour. So thank you for coming <laughs> on here. Thanks for having me, Casey. It's been great. Appreciate you inviting me. Heck yeah. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. <laughs> then share this with someone else and be a thought leader. One person, nine people, 3,000, whatever the number is. Get good information out there. Put your perspective on it. Share it. Tag Garrett. Tag myself. We'll swoop in. We'll comment too. We'll have a good conversation. But be intentional as you go out there. And Garrett, thanks again, man. You are awesome. Thanks, man. You too. Have a great day. All right, everyone. This has been another crazy episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.